This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, Mariner's Pod is here. Hopefully you had a good weekend. Thanks for being here. We have a lot to cover in this one. It was a wild weekend of Mariner's baseball. Four games, plenty of ups and downs. We'll talk about that. Yankees coming to town, a big three-game series starting tonight. Some great pitching matchups as the Mariners look to take another series against the Yankees. They just did it in the Bronx last week. We'll see if they can do it again. Also, we'll hear from Jerry DePoto in this edition of Mariner's Pod. He's going to talk... A trade deadline, rotation, and so much more. I think you'll enjoy that conversation as well. So we've talked so much about this first stretch out of the gates in the second half. The Mariners are almost through it. The first 13 of 20 starting the second half against the Astros, against the Yankees. The three against the Yankees mark the end of that. In the meantime, a four-game stretch against the Angels sandwiched in. Mariners got a great start from Robbie Ray in game one of the series. The Mariners, though, trailed 3-0 going to the ninth. They would tie it 3-3. Everything looked great, but they would lose in 10 innings. So game one taken by the Angels. A doubleheader on Saturday. Long day of baseball on Saturday, and the pitching was excellent once again. It was Robbie Ray in game one. In game two, bullpen combined with George Kirby to shut down the Angels. Some pretty fun, big moments along the way, including Munoz against Otani in the seventh inning with two outs, one on. The MVP, the go-ahead run, Munoz, though, wins the battle for the Mariners. Crowd gets behind Munoz. He comes set. No balls, two strikes. The 0-2 to the MVP. Swing and a miss. A Viper slider that takes a bite out of Otani at 90 miles per hour in the dirt. The MVP rips through. And Munoz, one slider, two sliders, three sliders, gone. And that's the inning. So Mariners win game one of the doubleheader, 2-1. to one. Game two, a completely different story. It was all Angels, 7-1 to one the final. So the Mariners going into Sunday to try and get a split at least. And Marco was solid. He delivers. Swing and a miss. He pulled the string. What a gorgeous off-speed pitch from Marco Gonzalez. He strikes out Sierra. And the swings and misses continue today for Marco. He's racked up now seven strikeouts this afternoon against the Los Angeles Angels. And he has now set a new season high. And the big blow, Jesse Winker, a grand slam for the Mariners as they would go on to win. And some hot water here, the pitch. Swung on and blasted down the line right field. If it's fair, it is gone. It is gone. Grand slam, Jesse Winker. 
Hits them all with a big blast. Four runs across, and the Mariners lead 5-0. Number 11 for Jesse Winker as he unloads on a beautiful day in Seattle, and the crowd roaring on their feet. So the M's get the split. Here's what Jesse Winker had to say about things after the game. No, I, I, I had a feeling it was going to stay fair. I've, I've had a few go foul. Right. Um, actually, a lot go foul up until this point. So, But I had a good feeling about that one. And more than a bat toss, it was kind of a bat slam. Just, does that feel really good there in that moment? I don't think it was anything, to be honest with you. I just thought it was uh, just a good swing on a pitch, and I was just happy with the outcome. Hey, Jesse, you, uh, when you were acquired um, and Jerry and Scott talked, and um, I know it was sort of the, the book on you, obviously, you hit right-handers very well, but maybe you hadn't hit left-handers as much. Um, what, what do you sort of make of your success this year? It seems like you've sort of flipped that a little bit to some degree, including, I think, something like five home runs off lefties. I just think it's our job as players to continue to uh, to get better. I don't believe in, in, in narratives that are written about you. Um, I just believe in competing. And, you know, some years you do this, some years you do that. But getting pigeonholed for anything in this game just seems a little unfair to us players. I just think it's our job to continue to go out there, compete, and, and, and do what you can. Um, obviously, I know what my splits are. Um, but it doesn't mean that... You, you can't get better in a certain area. And, you know, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. And um, I, I've, I've always believed in myself. And um, I believe in this team and this group and, and what I'm learning here on a daily basis. And with that, you just keep coming out and, and competing. Scott said he gave you permission to fire everybody up before the game. Would, would you agree that that was the case? Oh, I just felt like it was another day for us. Um, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Anything in particular over the last week or so that's been working for you? I think three homers is nice, but just feel like maybe a little bit more consistent at bats or something that's that's worked for you. I just feel like, um, you know, it's just the progression of a season. I think early on I may I may have been um, uh, maybe trying to force the issue a little bit. I think whenever you get – this is the first time I was traded. Not that that's an excuse, but um, it was the first time I got traded and, and had an expectation. Um, on myself. Um, so with those two things, I think maybe early I was trying to force it. And, you know, uh, I got comfortable here fast. And that's just a testament to all the guys in the clubhouse. Um, they made me feel like I've been here my whole career. So um, I think I think now it's just it's just baseball and it's and it's being a part of a winning atmosphere and a winning culture that um, all the guys that have been here have set. And so when you come into something like that, you just I think early on you just really want to show why you're acquired, right? And um, now once I got through that, now it's just playing, playing, trying to just play winning baseball and, and do what you can to help the team win, whether that's a you know a good swing that results in a homer or, or a ground ball that drives in a run. So whatever you can do to help, now that's what this is about. Yeah, so you put that big swing on it, but uh, you also had three guys get on base ahead of you. Just how, how big was that, you know, just the collective offensive effort today? Yeah, that's huge. Um, you know, obviously a grand slam doesn't happen without those at-bats. And, um, you know, the pressure is on the pitcher always. And um, that's all I try to remind myself is that, you know, the pressure's on him. It's just my job to, to put a good swing on the ball. And, and obviously those guys, those are three clutch at-bats, you know, in, um, in a time of the game where we needed them. Um, so those guys getting on in front of me, that was the story of the game for sure.
What was it like playing under the Blue Angels just on the side? I mean, just seeing all those planes go by and almost sell out crowd, it seemed like, just the atmosphere today. You guys could probably guess that it's a little distracting for a guy like me uh, <laughs> with all that going on. No, it was it was fun, man. It was cool. It was, uh, you know, it was a huge weekend for today is Sunday. Yeah, it was a big weekend for Seattle um, with that. Um, I said it earlier, but, you know, Sue Bird as well. And then um, it was just a fun – it was fun to be a part of um, – it was a fun weekend for sure. But those things, those jets are crazy, man. And they go so damn fast, and they're so loud, but then they're quiet too when they want to be. You never know. Would you go for a ride in one of those? Absolutely not. <laughs> Chance. Well, if they guaranteed 100% that we were going to go back onto the ground, yes. If, if it was 100% guarantee, obviously with them it is. But uh, no, you know what? I would. I can't. I can't because I. I can't talk trash now because all season I've been saying, the safest place is on a plane. You know, planes are so safe. You know, there's so many other things that go on in our daily life that's more dangerous than flying in a plane. But those planes, are are wild. But I would do it. I can't. I can't back out now. Now, yes, I have to. I would have to. I, I'd have to go up in one. Um, so if they're ever looking for a. A co-pilot, a goose, to their Maverick. I'm in. <laughs> so now the Mariners, 59 and 51, a percentage point behind Tampa Bay for the wild card. As Toronto has the first one, Tampa Bay in the second slot, Mariners in the third slot, right behind Tampa Bay. Baltimore and Cleveland, both two games back of the Mariners. White Sox three back, Boston five back now. Things get pretty interesting. Toronto will play Baltimore in a series coming up. They play together each other 15 times the rest of the way. Tampa Bay off day today. They'll play Milwaukee for two games. Of course, the Mariners will tangle with the Yankees for the next three days. Cleveland at Detroit. They have a lot of Detroit coming up in the next nine games. So an advantage schedule-wise for Cleveland. So we'll see how things shake out the next few days before the Mariners hit the road. Three games against Texas. Three games in Anaheim taking on the Angels, and then three against Oakland in a nine-game road trip coming up. Starting tonight, though, Mariners will take on the Yankees. This is going to be a very, very good pitching series. Mariners will throw Logan Gilbert tonight, 7-10 first pitch. Tyone will go for the Yankees in game one. Game two, you have a matchup of the Castillo debut in the Bronx. Game two on Tuesday, 7-10. Luis Castillo will go. Garrett Cole will take his turn for the Yankees. Mariners got him for six runs in the first inning. That's going to be tough to repeat against one of the best in the majors. And then Wednesday, day baseball at T-Mobile Park. 1-10 first pitch. Ray against Cortez, the all-star for the Yankees. Had a marvelous season, a 2-5-7 ERA so far this year. So wonderful pitching matchups. This is going to be a very entertaining series. Hopefully you get a chance to make it out to T-Mobile Park. In the meantime, we had a chance to catch up with Jerry DePoto over the weekend. He talked trade deadline, pitching rotation, which gets very interesting after this three games against the Yankees. Here it is. You know, a lot of new faces on this Mariners team right now, Jerry, and I've got to hear about the latest roster addition and, and how he was acquired. There, there's, there's a dog in the clubhouse right now. <laughs> how does this happen? You do not see this. You guys are the only ones, I believe, that have a designated dog. 
in, on the MLB. roster. Yeah, I think, you know, the Brewers did for a little while. <laughs> but we have, uh, you know, Tucker's now a, a rostered dog. And uh, it's it's really the, the brainchild and passion project of Jack Mossman, our director of Major League Ops, uh, dog lover extraordinaire. And he's been talking about this for a number of years. And we, we had to work through some logistics, how Tucker would be able to travel with us, how other clubs would, would behave or invite, you know, his his presence. And, you know, ultimately got a lot of people to check off some boxes and, and we were able to, to bring him on board. And I, I don't know if he's going to get in the game, but I know he's going <laughs> to enjoy watching him. He's going to have a uniform. So, a, I'm sure that Jack will have it drawn up very short. So it's not as easy as them just coming to, hey, Jerry, can we have a dog? You know, it, oddly enough, I, I think it was back in 2019. That's exactly how it started with, with Jack saying, hey, can we get a dog? <laughs> and, uh, you know, ultimately it took a couple of years to get there with the pandemic and some of the restrictions that we had to operate under. But, you know, this is the first year we had a little bit of runway and, and Jack jumped on it. And the reception's just been great. You, uh, the, the players yes. love him. The clubhouse group down there. He's and such. A, if you watch him run around in the outfield, I mean, it's like Ichiro out there shagging flies. <laughs> <laughs> he might have some competition out in yeah. the outfield right now, but he can't pitch. We do know that. Hey, uh, just what has the last week been like from you? From you know completing uh, you know some big deals, some interesting deals, and then just getting to stop and then seeing them in front of you. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's probably not going to quite settle in until maybe middle of next week when we feel like our entire team is back out on the field. But, you know, this last week was a rush like it always is at the deadline. And coming out of, you know, three, four straight weeks of draft meetings and, and back and forth conversation with other clubs trying to squeeze it in during the draft meeting breaks and then another 10-day rush of nothing but trade deadline, it was it was exhausting, and I know our baseball ops team was running at at full tilt, and and when you know the deadline came and went, and we had getaway day in New York with Luis Castillo on the mound, you know it was just a really gratifying moment to see what we were able to to get done in, in that period of time. And, and to watch it manifest itself over the next week with the returns of Mitch Hanniger and Julio Rodriguez and last night with Ty coming back, we're, we're very close now on Diego Castillo and Dylan Moore and Ken Giles. And, and once we're back to 100%, I think then it will settle in. We have a good team that has a very real chance of playing in the postseason. And not just getting there, but, but doing some damage once we do. Jerry, as a GM, how tough is it to let go the farm system was so good a lot of talented kids going over to cincinnati but then you go i just got luis castillo one of the best pitchers you know in baseball and he proved it his very first outing in his mariners debut you know you do have to give to get and we did we love all the players even you know in our system today we we probably more than anyone and you hear us talk yeah. about it we love our players, you know, one through 200. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, to give any of them up in, in trade is never easy. But especially through these last three years, as we've been so consciously building toward, you know, a, a foundation of homegrown players to push us toward a sustained winner. But we feel like we've done that. You know, it's a we have today the second youngest team in the in the American League. Only Cleveland is younger. We have a young core where we project for 2023, just one regular above the age of 29 right now with, with under contract in, in Gino Suarez. Everybody else is in their 20s. And, 
know, that by itself is kind of unusual. Yeah. We we have a young core with Logan, with George Kirby, with with the with Julio, with guys around the field that are in the primes of their careers like JP and Ty and you know, it's a, it's such a unique position to be in. Cal Raleigh is, is still such a young guy. You know, for for such an unusual position to be in, we thought this is our opportunity to step through the window that we think has opened. And, yeah. you know, we've we've resisted and, and been very uh, cautious in our behavior the last couple of years, especially at the trade deadline, preferring to build over time. And this was our chance just to, yeah. to burst through and take a shot. I was thinking about Luis Castillo, and for me, it's a game changer when you look at what he offers, not only helping you get to the postseason, but a postseason series and what that could mean, and also next year as well. How do you think of Luis Castillo and everything he brings? You know, it's, first of all, the, the, the first thing that sticks about Luis is is once you've talked to him, when you've met him, he's a, he's a pretty gregarious guy. You know, it's, it's very similar in some ways to so many other personalities we have in the clubhouse where it's incredibly positive, very pleasant guy to be around, a smile for everybody but super confident and knows what he's good at. And and his stuff really jumps off the charts. Uh, it, that was the first thing that drew our attention, you know, and this was years ago. But the, the I guess, what he brings to our team, and, and I think if you watch what's happened these last few days, Robbie Ray last night, that's every bit of a Cy Young. Uh, it, it's, it's 10 punch outs, seven innings, just putting the team on his back and, and running the game deep. Luis Castillo did that in Yankee Stadium in his first outing with at high velocity with crazy pitch action. You know, and, and now with six starters that we feel are, are very accomplished, we have the chance to go into a postseason if we're fortunate enough to qualify with what I think to be one of the most impressive top end of the rotation groups that anybody can throw out there. And that's really what you're looking to do in the postseason. It's not about drowning someone else with runs. It's about catching it, throwing it, and stopping the other team from scoring. And I think we have a pretty good chance of doing that. Jerry, what were the surprise? <laughs> we need the visual here. Our round table is not round, and it's a problem. <laughs> Very good. Uh, going into... The, the kind of trade season, I'm sure you kind of had some expectations of how everything was going to play out, not just for yourself, but in baseball. Coming out of it, what were some, were there surprises in what clubs did do, what they didn't do, if there were certain players that did get traded that you expected and those that didn't? I mean, were, were there any surprises along those lines? I, I think the surprises, you know, once the trade season really started to, to open up, you know, obviously we were made aware, as the rest of the free world was, that, that the Nationals were listening on, on Juan Soto. You know, we checked in very early uh, in that process. We had a couple of conversations with the Nats, quickly realized that we weren't going to be able to match up with them and, and pivoted in a different direction. But it didn't really surprise me that he moved, and I can't say that I'm wildly shocked at the size of the return, just simply based on what the original ask was. You know, it was – there were – big asks and and justifiably so he's one of the best players of the generation and you know that was the biggest trade i've ever seen and you know the the number of high impact players and, and potential impact players that moved around in that deal were were fantastic and and i think fun for baseball um that was that was entertaining i think a surprise was the the pure lack of offensive players that were moving around okay. at the deadline yeah. You know, it, there was a lot of pitching change in hands, some real starting pitchers that existed even beyond Luis Castillo and Frankie Montas, who I think were the headliners. 
you know, there were other starters that started changing hands that were unexpected. You know, I think we all thought that Tyler Maley was likely to move. Uh, none of us was really expecting Jordan Montgomery to move. None of us was really expecting the kind of flood of bullpen movement that we saw, especially on deadline day on Tuesday. And, you know, when you look at it outside of, you know, what we would reference as rental bats, right. you know, guys that are going to be free agents at season's end, Juan Soto is really the only bat of note that moved outside of players who are going to be pending free agents. So I think that was the, the most surprising part of it, is that the, the deadline was very much built around the, the Juan Soto rental player type market for offensive, you know, if, if you're looking for offense. And then, the, you know, the pitching was a little more vast than I would have expected. There was a lot of movement on the pitching front. Hmm. Jerry, with the addition of Luis Castillo, you have a really good problem. You you have one of the best starting rotations now in, in all of baseball. How do you manage, you know, that six guy? How do you manage George Kirby, you know, moving forward? It's going to help out with the doubleheader today against the Angels. But what is it going to look like for you and Scott and uh, Pete Woodworth, you know, with that rotation? So when we, you know, we have this series, the four games in, in three days with the Angels, which provides us with an opportunity to stick with all six starters, you know. But we'll have the two guys, Flex and, and George, going today. We'll have Marco going tomorrow. Then we'll tee up with Logan and and uh, and Robbie and Luis in the Yankee series. And then we have that off day on Thursday. And when we come out of that off day, we'll transition into a five-man rotation. And, you know, we're still discussing which the how to manage it but george will start every fifth day and we're going to continue to monitor him monitor him in similar ways to what we've done since we came out of the break and you know our, our big thing with george is not necessarily to limit his innings but to limit limit the stress and and volume of pitches that he's throwing and there uh, i mentioned it yesterday a couple of different places that there's a big difference between what george did his first outing out of the break against yeah. texas with 51 generally low-stress pitches in yeah. five innings, as opposed to the four-inning outing in Houston, where it was a lot of traffic and a really high-stress first inning. And although he got back on track, there was stress involved in that outing. And, you know, we, we have off days that, that are baked into our schedule for almost every week the rest of the season that's going to allow us to manage the innings or, or the volume a little bit better than we have. And right now, I would say it's almost certain that as we come out of the break, we will transition one of our starters into, you know, a, a, a long man or, or a piggyback starter type situation. We're just not entirely sure when that starts. Jerry, it was uh, fun to see the two Washington guys in the clubhouse yesterday. Jake Lamb, of course, active. Matt Boyd came in with his Tigers bag. and He's like, I know you. I know you. He knew everybody, including the broadcasters, because he heard all of us growing up. A great energy there, too. Interesting to pick them up. But when you said that, you know, what a thing to fight for the team that you grew up watching. I think it's a, it's such a cool thing. And yeah, maybe the most my, of all the trades we've done, and we've done a ton of trades, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, even yeah. just when you when you talk to and recruit free agents through the years. And we have we have recruited Matt Boyd before, you know, and. And I, I've met Matt on a number of occasions. He, he makes his home here. He works out in the off-seasons over in Bellevue, and, and we've crossed paths due to one of our consultants, you know, Kirk Bradshaw, who does, you know, his off-season work. Um, as, it, Matt is a wonderful guy, in addition to being what we think a really good major league pitcher who has an impact fastball when he rides his fastball at the top of the zone. And the thing that you can't uh, sell short is the passion that he has, that Jake has. 
lifelong Mariner fans. I, I called Matt, and I, and I welcomed him to the Mariners, and it was probably my favorite call that I've ever made. <laughs> really? It, he was... He he experienced pure joy, and he said, "I he said I've never he said I can't believe the, the emotions I'm feeling. I've never felt this way." And and I said, "I've I've felt it before. I was once traded to my boyhood team, and it was a, the it was a, the most thrilling phone call I could remember getting." And and uh, and you know he we had a very nice 15 minute conversation, incredibly you know gracious and, and excited to be here. And then I called Jake Lamb, and, and I and I said, "Hey, I just got off the phone with Matt Boyd. I'm guessing you're going to have some of those same feelings." And he, and we had known for quite some time that Jake was interested in, in playing in, in Seattle, and and uh, we had tried to acquire him a couple of months ago, actually from the Dodgers, and we just fell short. And I, and and he said, "Oh yeah, I've already texted back and forth with Matt. We're pretty excited about this." And and. Uh, to have guys that have always been Mariners fans that can probably go in their closet and pick out Mariners gear is, is fun. So then I call Kirk Casale and I said, this is going to be a much less interesting conversation <laughs> than I had with the previous two guys. I know that you, you, you probably not spent a ton of time in Seattle, but let me tell you why it's a great time to be a Mariner. He said, no, man, my grandparents live in Seattle. With my, oh, he said, I, this, I have huge ties in Seattle, a ton of family there, and they are going to be pumped to, when I, when I get up, uh, the, when I get back to the big league club. And, you know, I was blown away with how, you know, those little things, the, the, the passion that those guys have walking through the door. We already have a young team that really wants to win and get this team to the postseason. And now we just acquired, you know, two players who this is all they've ever rooted for was for the Mariners to get there. And they might be the only ones in our clubhouse who can recall seeing the Mariners the last yeah. time they were in the postseason, if you think about it, yeah. because the others weren't in our market. Uh, and, and these kids we're grew born. up here. That's true. Many of them. What do you think uh, Boyd's timeline? What are we looking at, do you think? So he threw a, a sim game in Sacramento mm-hmm. with Tacoma uh, the day before yesterday. He arrived here uh, yesterday. He'll he'll throw another bullpen session, I think, on Monday, and and then we're going to determine his readiness for a rehab assignment. Right. And uh, because we're not looking to build him up to true starter innings, you know, we, we, our hope is to build him up to the point where he can throw a couple innings in a relief stint, and uh, we think that'll take two two and a half weeks once the rehab you know starts. And and our hope is that that happens sometime in the next week to 10 days, and, and we are able to add him sometime in August, but minimally by September 1 when the rosters expand. Jerry, you pulled off a heck of a deal to get Carlos Santana from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, in his 30 games, the Mariners are 22-8. and eight. How timely was that deal? Because Ty was hurt at the time going on the I.L., He's been very impactful for your ball club. In, in so many more ways than just hitting, you know, key homers or, or an occasionally impactful sack fly. Because yes. he has a knack for driving in the run, you know, is, is the biggest thing with Carlos. And more importantly, he's impacted our, our team off the field, in the clubhouse, the, the leadership and, and veteran guidance that he's brought. And I, the one thing that, that will forever stick with me no matter how far we go as a team this season if we fall short of the postseason or if we win the world series the thing that i will remember about carlos's arrival is he he reminded the guys that baseball is hard and you should enjoy the wins and have fun and you know and that's when the that's when the 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 post-game dance started that's when our team started you know you could the day one when carlos got here we won and there was a post-game celebration in the clubhouse and we've never really seen that Uh, it's a it's it's always been a business as usual type team full of a bunch of fun personalities, but not 
you know, truly exuberant in the way they enjoyed it. And now you can see the personalities coming out even more. And, and I do think that, that Carlos was a key figure in, in bringing that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.